My name is Yehun, and this is my story. I grew up in a, a Christian house. I grew up uh, as a pastor's kid, living a, a what I would consider a very comfortable, easy life. At the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, uh, I went through a, a breakup of a long-term relationship that kind of flipped my world upside down. I thought I was in a good space, but this was the, the thing that opened up a, a whole can of worms to, to some underlying stuff that I realized that I was struggling with. I had been planning on moving to Cape Town for, for this person for, for quite a while. When, when this happened, uh, there was no point in me moving to Cape Town anymore. I felt like God told me to move to Cape Town. I really didn't want to. I only have 200 grand in my bank account, sorry, not gonna happen. A friend came up to me and he said, hey dude, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like I need to buy a one-way ticket to Cape Town. When I got um, to Cape Town, it was, it was cool, um, but it wasn't going as I'd planned. I wasn't getting any work. I, I was here for a while. I, started coming to church. For the first time in my life, I was just a spectator at the back. And I remember a really tough, tough weekend for me was uh, Easter weekend of 2019. I had people around me, but I felt more lonely than I've ever felt before. It got to a point the, the one night where I was alone at the house. I sat there and I was praying because I didn't know what else to do. And I was telling God that you moved me here for nothing. What is the point of any of this? I feel like I've lived my whole life obeying you and trying to do what's right. But now I'm just sitting here, lonely, sore, uncomfortable, hungry because I couldn't afford food. I just was not in a space that I wanted to be. Why did you let this happen to me? I found a bottle of sleeping tablets and I thought, cool, that's my way out. And I was sitting with the pearls in my hand and I was about to drink it and I got a phone call. I got a phone call from my mom and she just wanted to see how I was and then reminded me about uh, a wedding I had to go to in the two months time. And I lived the next few months thinking that just worth waiting and holding on to after his wedding that I can then take my life and I don't have to worry anymore. And that was the only thing that I was looking forward to for a long time. I came to a, a service. Oh God told me that it's not over and it is not done with me yet. And in that moment, I, it's almost like I forgot about this hope that I'd been hanging on to where I wouldn't have to worry about stuff anymore, but I felt this hope of, of where I'm going and what's coming. We fast forward to the next Easter, Easter 2020, and I got a job. I was in a relationship, a new relationship, I was in such a happy space and I almost felt guilty when what was happening outside was, was so bad but I was just like, this is the best year ever. You fast forward to 
Easter 2021 and I'm engaged, I'm about to get married. I don't recognize that person that moved to Cape Town and that obedience of stepping into, into what God told me to has resulted in, in life where there was death. He is a, a good father. He is the best decision that you could ever make. And there is, there is life where it feels like there is only death. Good Friday last year, we were in my garage, just myself and that guy. And he was behind the camera and I was in front of the camera, got to preach the gospel. But if you'd taken that camera and just turned it around, you would have seen a very different picture. So I'm standing here and there's a camera with a red dot pointing me and I'm preaching the gospel as best as I can. But I'm looking at my camping gear that I know is a mess. I'm looking at the bicycles that are hanging up that I promised my kids for ages I will fix and they're still hanging in the roof and all the surfboards I've pushed back to try and make space for the studio and my warehouse, what do you call that thing, a tool desk because I don't really have a special one, it's just there and they're just, they're lying there and I know I've promised my wife for about three years I'll to clean, tidy that up, see but that's what Jesus does, comes and says, I'm going to turn it all around. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to heal. I'm going to restore. Had a moment last year where at the end of the Good Friday preach, I implored someone, I felt like God was leading me to implore someone who was struggling with the potential of suicide in their story. And I appealed to them and someone reached out and got in touch with us. But then this guy behind the camera who I never knew a year before was navigating thoughts that I never thought would be his story. And yet God continues to speak to the one. Good Friday, I preach to one person. And it's something I pray every day, Lord, if there's just one person in the room, if there's just one person who needs a touch. You see, we look at these crosses, and these crosses are amazing, and they're the creative idea of a young man named Ruan and his team who just get excited. But, but the cross isn't neat and tidy with LED lights. The cross wasn't that. The cross was a... Pieces of wood stuck together on a dump outside of town so that the city could have something to do, a spectacle to go and put people who deserved that, enemies of the state, people who'd lived lives, scandalous lives for year after year. That's where they went to die and the city came to cheer it on. Cross is messy. Not scared of your mess. Not scared of your pains. Not scared of your broken. Not scared of what's in the background of your garage. Jesus breaks into that story. And as we come to Easter this Sunday, I want to read from Luke 23 and pray for us because we're called to remember. Called to remember the cross. So many things coming to mind. I don't know about you, but it seems like there's a lot of news and a lot of information. And have you heard about this? And have you heard about this? And have you heard about this? And there's a massive sign across our city. Have you seen that sign about who's got their hand out? And I'm going, God, what's going on in our world? He says, I just want you to hear my voice. Will you hear my voice today? Will you remember the cross today? And you will be reminded that I take the mess and I turn it around and I bring it to my glory at this time. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. We give you glory and praise this morning. Thank you. 
that you take lives that deserve the devastation of dumps and you breathe your life inside of them. You make them something beautiful for your glory, King. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 23, verse 35. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah, the God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. If you today are here and you feel like the sun's gone out in your world, I want to preach to you today. I want to speak to you today. I want to show you Jesus today and reveal that he has a journey, a glorious journey to paradise. 2004, I got to marry the girl of my dreams. She'll tell you, and she's told the lady at the Rise events that I chased her for month after month after month, and it's all true. And... Um, <laughs> In 2004, we got engaged at the end of 2003. We mapped out our wedding, but the big plan was we'd been saving. We'd wanted to travel together. We were going to go to paradise for three and a half weeks. Can you imagine? Come on. Who wouldn't want a holiday at islands for three and a half weeks now? I'm giving it away now. No, oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. Sorry. That's next Easter. That's Sunday. If you come on Sunday, we give away holidays at islands. Not on Good Friday. This is somber. We've got to be serious. But got the privilege of going to islands. And we, won, we didn't want to go to the big cities of Bangkok. And we didn't go there. We went to the smaller islands, the, the less commercialized spaces. We wanted the beaches. There's a very old actor that some of you millennials won't know about. His name's Leonardo DiCaprio. He was in a movie called The Beach. I was like, I want to go to that place. I just want to go to the beach. It looks amazing. Look, it all went wrong for them in the movie there. But that's not important. You get there and the beach isn't as big as it looked in the movie. It's like this little beach. That someone then took a magnifying lens and put like, and all those things. But it was paradise. I was there with my queen. We were there having time, riding motorbikes together, enjoying the moments. It was paradise. We came back and for months we're showing people photos of the of the of our holiday and our adventures and these mountains we climbed and these beaches we walked until the twenty sixth of December, two thousand and four, when paradise was gone because a tsunami hit Thailand. And one of the islands, the two islands we loved, Koh Samui and Koh Pipi, were destroyed. Pipi Island specifically, the place where we took time out and we, and we got to enjoy this pool, this overflow room pool. Maybe we can put the photos up there. That's the pool. That was my honeymoon pool. Come on. God is good. It was amazing. But that was it after the tsunami came. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, what I'm telling people is my life looks a little bit like the one on the left, but in reality, it's more like the one on the right. 
What I'm showing people in the, angle, the camera angle I've got going on in my life looks a lot more like the one on the left, but the reality behind the scenes, when I'm really honest about my anxiety levels and the things that are holding me down and the sins that I just cannot get, it looks more like the left. I want to preach for you today because that was the situation for a man hanging next to Jesus on a cross. You can take that down, thanks. A friend of mine named Rory Dyer was preaching the other day and he said this incredible statement and it stuck with me said, the older I get, the faster I was. <laughs> Make sense? It's like, you know, I mean, when, when you're 42 and you start watching the guys warming up for the Olympic 100, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I used to be fast. And like, then you remember, no, I never was fast. Actually, I never even featured in any race ever. And, uh, and you realize it takes you, you got to remember that actually you weren't as good as you think. And the same thing happens with believers. Come to church, yeah, oh, it's just Good Friday, cool. Those people need it. Someone else needs it. Someone else needs to be reminded. Someone else needs to be remembered or, or see for the first time that Jesus died on a cross for them. Why? Because when I get older, I get faster. I, 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 but, but I wasn't that good. And the cross reminds us that outside of Jesus, we deserved a dump outside of the town with all the judgment that came our way. We deserve that. We look at the sinners next to Jesus on their cross, the thieves, and we, we don't identify with them. And yet we are them. And there is this journey to paradise and Jesus, this guy knows he deserves to be on that cross. He knows he's lived a life of stealing and debauchery and, and running from town to town because his name kept getting mud everywhere. So he changed his name and he kept on deleting his identity. He kept on deleting his search history. He kept on deleting things in his life until there was nothing more to delete and they caught him and he goes, I'm on a cross, I deserve to be here. And the guy on the right says, hey Jesus, get us off. It's almost like he's got more faith than that guy. He says, if you are king, get us out of here. But the guy on the left, he goes, I deserve to be here. And he starts to remember, wait, there was that man. He healed the blind eye. He raised the dead. I heard about him. I met, I met his disciples. He hung out with sinners. He loved them. He, he, he went in the ground when they caught that woman in adultery. And he... He got in the dirt. That's Jesus. And he doesn't read the sarcastic sign above Jesus as the sarcastic sign that it was meant to be. He reads it to his heart and his eyes open for the first time. But this is how little faith he had because maybe you're struggling today like, Mark, I just need to jump through 74 more steps of recovery of life and then Jesus will take me back. This is how little faith this guy had. He just said, he didn't say, save us. He didn't say, get us out of here, Jesus. He said, when you get to your kingdom, remember me. He didn't say, take me with. He didn't say, save me. I'd be like, Jesus, come on, guy. Three things about the pursuit of paradise because our world's enamored with it. The whole world saving up for the next holiday because they haven't traveled for the last however. Travel agencies are going wild, getting the packages ready. And they were just, we're going to go. And I want industries to bounce. But the pursuit of paradise is not a place. I want to tell you first and foremost, paradise has a price every time. The paradise, we went on on honeymoon. The price wasn't the price of the plane tickets. 
That was the easiest part. The price was get on a plane after organizing a wedding in Durban, flying to Joburg, waiting, flying to Kuala Lumpur, waiting, flying to Bangkok, waiting, flying to Kosovo, waiting. By the time we get on honeymoon, I think, yo, we're excited. We slept for 48 hours straight. We missed free meals. I don't miss free meals. That's not something. I was a boarder. You don't miss free meals. We missed free meals, buffet, breakfast. It didn't matter. We just slept. We'll see you soon. There's always a price no one tells you about. Just a hint for people planning honeymoons. Stay local. But there's always a price. See, and the Bible says when the price hasn't been paid, this is the reality. Ephesians 2. Simeon, that that you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in your world. That, that was the journey. That was the journey that needed to be made. But there was a price. And when we forget and we come to the cross and we start forgetting that's the price, in the days of Jesus, a deal was done quite simply like this. No T's and C's, no teleparker phoning you and, and you going, can you send me the docs? And they said, no, it has to be done now. And you're going, well, I'm not, I'm, all your emotions all over the place. I don't want to miss the deal. If you're like me, you're like, I don't want to miss the deal. Sorry, stay with me. I'm from Durban. We like deals. And... Um, but in the days of Jesus, this is how a deal was done. You'd walk up to a trader, you'd look at an item, he'd give you a price, and the minute you pick it up, that deal is done. You pay and you take. It doesn't matter. You pick it up, it's done. What is the cross? What is Good Friday? It's the day Jesus named the price and the Father picked it up. And forever the world changed. Forever my life changed. Forever the Yahans and the many others of life, lives changed and God keeps doing it. And we're sitting with a friend of mine and an influential man in my life for dinner last night. He says, what's going on in your world? And we start telling about your stories. I get to do the wedding of a man tomorrow who I met at a rehab center up the West Coast. That's where I met him. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm not an addict. I just had nowhere else to go and my life hit rock bottom. And now he's marrying a lady who has experienced a loss in her life. She's lost two amazing men through death in her story. But God prepared a man at a rehab center and raised him up. And God raised a lady and says, I'm not going to leave you in the valley. You weren't made for the valleys. I'm going to raise you up. And why? So we get to celebrate on Easter weekend. Why? Because the cross keeps healing, restoring, and pulling people into the more. Every time. But let's be reminded, Isaiah 53, he was pissed for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. Paradise has a price. Paradise is a promise, though. Secondly, I want to remind you, see, we live in a world of broken promises where fathers break their promises, business partners break their promises, nations, leaders break their promises. And so the world goes, no one keeps their promises. But the Bible says there is a good father who always keeps his promises. And though the fathers on this earth can't give good gifts, how much more the father in heaven who keeps his promises every day and every time. The promise the problem is we don't live in the Garden of Eden. Paradise is a reference to this God and it's a reference to the coming kingdom, but it's also a reference to the garden from which we came. And Jesus isn't promising us a one-way ticket like your hung God from this place we've, we, we don't know to a God. And he's saying, I'm giving you a one-way ticket back. 
Sin took you and bought the ticket for where you've got to. I'm buying the ticket back. You don't know why you need to be there. You can't get there yourself, but I'm telling you, you need this. And he makes a promise. See, sin bought that ticket, but only blood could buy the ticket back. So we come to the cross and we use the color red because it reminds us of blood. But if we're being honest, it's messy and it's disgusting in many ways. And it's flesh and it's bone. And it would repulse us if we had to see it in real life. And we have to be reminded that the cross was messy so that our messy lives could come. And Jesus says, I'm turning the image around. So when you see Mark, I used to be so scared that people... I came to a church where people prophesied a lot in every room. And, and so I used to come to church, like, and there was like a prophet dude. I remember, like, walk this side. And then the pastor's name was Rory, and he's a big guy, and he walks around like this. So he would walk that side of the hall. I'd walk this side. Because I didn't want him knowing my 14-year-old thoughts. That's not, I'm at church because the honeys are here. And uh, I didn't want him prophesying that. Like, I don't want him seeing into, I don't know how this works, but... Uh, you got this like radar that comes when you're like hiding, you're ducking. Jesus says, no. When the Father looks at you, covered by a robe of righteousness from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. Today you will be with me in paradise. But I want to get to point number three. Paradise is a person. And this is what I love about the same. I was sitting looking at the scripture going, I've preached it. I've loved it. What's so beautiful about it? Well, it's because Jesus says this today. Not once you've jumped through a thousand hoops of religion. Once not you've tipped every box. Once you've done the link course at church. Once you've given. Once No, today. Once you've done nothing. While you still hang on the cross you deserve. Today you will be with me. With me. With me. In paradise. Not You'll get into paradise and we'll see you at the annual celebration. Oh, but it's eternity, so we do that once every hundred years. I'm going to go hang out with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We're going to have like a lacquer jaw in heaven. And you go hang out in the commune down there. You see over there, just inside the gates. Right near the gates so that you could... No. Jesus says, I saved you to be with me. He wants you with him, Geraldine. He's jealous for you. Not your religious acts. He's jealous for you. And when we get that, we get the cross. We get life. And our eyes open to see him. Jesus, remember me. See, the cross is an invitation to receive grace. You can't demand grace. You know what religion tries to do? Religion says this. I'm going to do so many good things so I can demand your grace. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, for the God so loved, he gave. All you can do with grace is receive it. Maybe that's for your marriage today. Stop demanding. Start giving and receiving. That's the economy of heaven. It's not demanding and delivering. The cross is this invitation and a reminder that there's a stamp on my life. Paid in full. 
paid in full. And I was reading the scripture over this morning. And then I thought, God, why did they put that sign over your head? That sarcastic sign of some soldier in an army. He said, I'll have a sign over my head so that the signs over my sons and daughters' heads can come down. And the only thing that they'll be known as are signs and wonders of the kingdom. Sons and daughters, signs and wonders of the kingdom of God. I don't know what signs over your life today. I've heard some things in people's lives. And I know they sit over people like something that's been attached to their back that they can't shake. And everywhere they go, they know that's all that anyone sees. The problem is they think that's what God sees. And the Bible says, God doesn't see that. If I say, Jesus, will you be my Lord? The signs come down. The neon lights above us that we think God is exposing. God says, I've never come to expose you. I came to cover you. I came to love you. I came to pull you out of the dumps. See, I had to get this testimony of your hands and the testimony you're going to watch on Sunday if you're around or online. I had to watch him over and over because I had to get the tears out. Because I live for this. I want to see it in your life and I want to see it in mine. And I'm telling you, you've got to believe him now. Can you close your eyes just for a second? Some signs have got to come down this morning. Lindsay, there's no sign above your head other than daughter of the living God. Not a single other sign that hangs over your head. Not one. Heard a testimony of a man who found his wife, wife in adultery and things were going badly and he went to God and said, God, what do I do? And so God spoke to him. He went out and bought a white gown for his wife and he went home. He walked up to her he put that white gown on her and he said, it's done. Not some urban myth. Jesus does the same thing for you and I every day. Not once when we got saved. Every day. Every day my mind wanders from faith. Every day I lack faith. Every day I start trusting in other things. Every day I look to myself. He just comes and he covers. He said, okay, boy. Let's go to paradise to be with me.